verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold of the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Well, that's bold, isn't it? And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who would later become, of course, the Apostle Paul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. There's a powerful boldness has come into these disciples when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they became bold as lions. The Apostle Paul, and just one more in Acts 24, when he's brought before Felix the governor, But verse 22 of Acts 24, but when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, or these Christians, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him, up, uh, let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide or visit him or for to visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, when he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and judgment to come, Felix was afraid. Now, the King James, the authorized version, makes that better, stronger. It says, Felix trembled. And when you look that word up, it literally means his knees were knocking. He was so moved. He was so afraid by what he heard about judgment to come. His very knees were knocking together. What boldness Paul had. He answered and says, go away for now. And when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. The strength of a lion boldness, the stamina of a greyhound. The word greyhound here comes from a root word meaning slender-waisted. So the translators put in the word greyhound. Whether it was an actual greyhound as we know a greyhound, but it was an animal with a slender waist that was built for running was built to run and to run and to run. God not only wants us to have the strength of a lion, but the stamina of a greyhound. Having strength is one thing. Having stamina is another thing. 
Having ability is one thing. Having durability is an entirely different thing. Apostle Paul says, I have run my race. I have finished my course. That's stamina, isn't it? He can look back after a long life of serving the Lord. And he says, I finally got to the end. The finish line is in sight. He was about to die for his faith. He says, I've run my race. I've finished my course. Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Some Christians are like shooting stars. They light up the sky for a little bit and then they fizzle out. They never hear of them again. It's like the parable of the seeds that Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 4. We'll not read all that parable, but just this one part. He said, some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And then later on, the disciples asked Jesus what this meant. And so he says down in verse 16, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves. And so they endure only for a time. And afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Immediately they grow up. And then immediately they fall down. No stability. Not established. Hebrews 6.15 And so after, this is speaking of Abraham, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For you have need of endurance after that you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, whenever I was at school, uh, I loved sports. And the only reason I loved sports was it got me out of doing the academic stuff. So any excuse was good enough. And although I am of average size, somehow or other, and I must have been half decent at it, I got into the school basketball team. And it was brilliant because you got away some days to, to Larn or to Belfast, and you played inter-school competitions. It was great. Sometimes we won, sometimes we lost, but we didn't care as long as we got out. That was the only thing that mattered. And so sports were good. The only sport that I did not like, that I absolutely hated and dreaded, was cross-country running, because that was the toughest for me anyway. And the reason why it was the toughest for me is because even though I had strength, I didn't have much stamina. And I found running up those lanes and over those fields and through those hedges and all the rest of it, particularly in wintertime when the ground was wet and your feet was wet and you were soaking and all the rest of it and you're cheesed off and browned off, I found that at the time there was me and a few others, we always come in last. In fact, some of the good runners was in, shard, ready to go home, school bags in their back, driving out, and Muggsy here and some of the rest of it, we're still coming in. 
because I had no stamina. I had to stop a whole lot of times on the way and try to get my breath back. That's why I've never entered for a marathon. Believe it or not, I used to jog. Sally says to me, you don't look very good after you come back. <laughs> In fact, a wee man stopped me up the Kilmore Road one day. Uh, he's a wee man from Moira. I knew him. And uh, I, was, I must have looked awful. And he, he actually stopped me. He says, are you all right? He says, <laughs> he says you look like death warmed up. <laughs> I says, well, I'm supposed to be enjoying This is supposed to be good for me. It doesn't look to be good for you. He said. <laughs> after a while, I gave it up as a bad job. But even though I didn't have much physical stamina, I think, by the grace of God, I've had some spiritual stamina. Clifford, you said along, you're saved. In February this year, coming, be 41 years. 41 years of what with the Lord. And 37 of those years have been a full-time ministry. And 34 of those years in here. So I think of a wee bit of stamina spiritually. Warren Wearsby wrote a book years ago. I never did read it. Someday I must buy it and read it because it's a wonderful title. It says, In Praise of Plotters. <laughs> it's not a good title. In Praise of Plotters. And that's what I am. I'm a plotter. I haven't given up. Is that the wind, David, at that door? I haven't given up. Jesus in John 17, 4 says, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. I have finished the work. Paul says, I have run the race. I've finished my course. There's something to be said for spiritual stamina, for just keeping on, keeping on. You know, it's like coming to the house of God. You say, well, I don't always feel like it. Do you think we always feel like it? Or do you think we're somehow different than you are, that we're beyond human feelings? It's a case of feeling like it. It's a case it's the right thing to do. So you do it, whether you feel like it or not. Different thing if you're sick or your holidays or you're working, something like that. But just getting up, ah, I don't feel like it. What's that about? Eh? If you did that in your job every day, you'd be out of a job very fast, huh? Eh? If you did that in school every day, you'd be out of school very fast. You'd be getting a wee bit of stamina, eh? a wee bit of go-through spirit. You keep at it, and you keep going on by the grace of God. Jesus says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am straightened, how I am constrained until it is accomplished. <laughs> he wouldn't let anything or anybody deter him for fulfilling the mission that he had on this earth. Strength of a lion, the stamina of a greyhound, the stature of a male goat. Now, a male goat is distinctive, isn't it? Stands out from the herd. It's got big horns. It's got a bar of chest. It's got a big beard, long beard. You and I, as to be distinctive as believers, that doesn't mean to say you grow a long beard. You stick your chest out. <laughs> I don't even want to say anything about the horns. <laughs> but we are to be distinctive. God wants his people to be different. A people of stature. Now, I'm not talking about any false sense 
not talking about dress or appearance, but I'm talking about in witness, in testimony, in lifestyle, in attitude, in actions. We are to be different from the world around us. If we're not different from the world around us, what is the point? If Christ has changed us, if we say we're Christians and we're no different from anybody around us, what has changed? Nothing. Something has to change. I'm not talking about a false thing, but I'm talking about living our lives as a true Christian. It'll be distinctive. People will notice. Now, there may be some who'll laugh at you. There'll be some who'll slag you off. But there'll be others who will admire you because you're genuine and you're real. You're not fake and you're not a hypocrite. And that's what they look for, isn't it? The male goat gives leadership, doesn't it? Christians should give leadership. We should set the standard. We should lift the standards, whether that's in the workplace or in the home, on the job or in business or among our friends. Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. We're his representatives. So what does people see in us? Are we Christ-like? Is that what they see? Well, that's what they're supposed to see. The stature of a male goat. Do we stand out? Are we different? I don't mean that are we naturally different. You know, if you're around people a little bit, they'll begin to notice the difference. And they just may ask you, why are you different? How are you different? And then there is not only the strength of the lion, stamina of the greyhound, or the stature of a male goat, but the stability of a king. The new King James that I read out of tonight says, a king whose troops are with him, but the authorized version says, a king against whom there is no rising up. This king is established. This king is set. His house is in order. He's rooted, he's grounded, he's set for a long reign. There is no rising up against this king. The Bible says that you and I are kings and priests unto God, spiritually speaking. Romans 5.17 says, We reign in life by one Christ Jesus. He is the king of kings. But we reign as kings in life by one Christ Jesus. Now the devil is going to come along and try to cause uprisings in your life. He's going to try to dethrone you. He's going to challenge your authority. And you do have authority in the kingdom of God. Kingdom comes from two words, king and dom. King ruler, dom from dominus or dominion. Ruling with dominion. And God has given us an authority in this life as believers in Christ. God gave Adam authority to run this world. He put this world in his hands to run. But Satan came along and he lost that authority. But the last Adam, Christ, came along and he took back that authority. 
and he gives that authority to us in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm. That's why Paul says, we reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Have you stability? Do you reign in life? Or are we just at the mercy of the evil one? I don't think so. We could be if we allowed it, but I don't think so. I think that we're saved long enough to know that we do have authority according to the word of God. That we are believers in Christ. We are God's children. And because of that, he has given us power and authority. Behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the evil one. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Power and authority is ours in Christ. Amen? So, the strength of a lion, stamina of a greyhound, the stature of a male goat, and the stability of a king. Four things God wants you to possess. Let's pray.